So today we're going to continue talking about exploring wider. Remember what I've said from the beginning, that stories inform us. They inform us about people from long ago, what they value, what they experienced, and so forth. Now we're looking wider, and if stories inform us, questions enlarge us. Because as we ask questions, we have to think beyond the things that we already know, don't we? So with that in mind, we have been looking at some critical questions. We began this series a couple weeks ago, and we talked a little bit about how did it all begin. Here we are living in this huge universe, and we talked a little bit of science. We talked a little bit about the Big Bang. We talked about multiple universes. We talked a little bit about infinity, which includes within it mystery, complexity, and energy as the universe continues to expand. Then we talked a little bit about who is God, the wholeness of being. We talked a little bit about how the Bible describes God. God is light. God is love. God is spirit. And we talked a little bit about the whole of every whole, that as we walk through the world, God is present as we walk through it. And we talked a little bit about God being beyond the existence as we know it as human beings. Then last week we talked about what is humanity. And humanity is a part of the progressive participants of God's ongoing work in the universe. We talked a little bit about the evolution of Adam in the sense that going back billions of years, we see God allows life to develop. But at a point in time, mankind has developed to the point where now Adam and Eve become the first couple that represents a developed humanity that's able to develop civilization and continue to be the bearer of God's image in the world. So that's where we've been. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about what is religion. And I want to talk about it in terms of a kaleidoscope of connection. When you think about religion, my goodness gracious, what a huge topic that is. And it is something people in all four corners of the world experience and engage. But it looks very different, doesn't it? Here we are in the West, and for the most part, Christianity is the dominant religion within the United States. However, even though Christianity has developed and grown in other parts of the world, for the most part, Christianity is one of those kind of Western mindset religions. And what you have is a kaleidoscope of other kinds of concepts of gods and worship and those type of things. So, I want you to take a look here. There's a huge spectrum that you could talk about being religion, all the way from atheism, which is a form of religion, not believing in God, all the way through agnosticism, polytheism, which is a belief in many gods, monotheism, which is a belief in one God, and then I put Christian on the far right there, the belief in the one God of Israel that showed himself in the person of Christ. Now, that is really kind of just a, a general spectrum. If you really wanted to do a deep dive into religion, here's what it would look like. The evolutionary tree of religion looks like a schematic for the space shuttle to me, right? 
very developed, very complex. And even within all of these religions, there are subdivisions of those religions. When I began looking at the topic this week, I thought, what is a simpler way of understanding how religion developed? Well, I think you can boil it down geographically, really. In the Middle East, Zoroastrianism goes way far back before the beginning of Judaism. And so it goes, uh, you know, centuries and centuries back. But what we are most familiar with is this Middle Eastern religion that began with a covenant made to Abraham and the people of Israel. It's called Judaism. And out of Judaism came Christianity. Then out of Christianity came Islam with a different elevation of a different teacher being Muhammad. And then also Baha'i faith, which we're not going to get into the definitions of all these different religions. I just want you to get to see. So one of the things to think about is geographically, it begins in the Middle East. However, there are Asian forms of religion as well. In South Asia comes Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, and Sikhism. From East Asia comes Confucius, Taoism, and Shinto. And then I thought about how when this country was started, what type of religions were already here by indigenous people, and what type of religions were brought from uh, Western Europe. So you have Native Americans, indigenous people, that have really a wonderful form of spirituality when they see God in all of nature and the Great Spirit and those type of things. But then our founding fathers are what is known as deists. They believe God kind of uh, created everything, kind of wound everything up like a clock. He doesn't intervene in any way. He just kind of lets that clock run out on its own. And then out of that comes secularism, humanism, and then I put up there consumerism because that's also a form of religion as well in the West where everything is about money, everything is about consuming things. So when you look at this, I think it breaks it down a little bit more simpler in terms of different types of religion that come out of different parts of the world. But what do we do with that? Well, you have to look for a definition, and this is a complex definition, but each component, I think, is very important. So this comes from a book, Christian Smith's book, Religion, What Is It, How It Works, and Why It Matters. Religion is a complex culturally prescribed practice or practices based on premises about the existence and nature of superhuman powers, i.e. God, whether personal or impersonal, would seek to help practitioners gain access to and communicate or align themselves with these powers in hopes of realizing human goods and avoiding things bad. Now, boy, that's, that's pretty complex, isn't it, when you think about it? But each component of it does describe something that it is important to think about. Maybe a better way of describing what religion is is to see it in terms of the religious pursuit of what it's trying to do. So religion, in many ways, is... At trying to answer these questions. What does it mean to be human? Is there a God or gods? Does anyone really know or care that we are here in this small corner of the universe? And then what is the nature of ultimate reality? And then what happens after we die? So these things are all kind of answered, not just by human beings, but they're answered within 
subcultures. They are answered within ethnicities. They are answered within different religions. And all of these questions, I think, are questions that we all, at some uh, point in time, engage with. We either think about them and ponder on them, or sometimes we dismiss them. But every religion tries to get a handle on these things, and then, depending on what they think is true in answering these questions, they begin to break down into subdivisions, okay? Now, in Christianity, that is called what? Denominations, okay? Different types of denominations. So did you know that in the United States, there are 200 different Christian denominations, all under the umbrella of Christianity? And did you know around the world, there are 45,000 different denominations under the umbrella of Christianity? So religion is kind of hard to define, but it is pursuing these questions. And even though religion is hard to define and it is a daunting task, I like the functional definition of Richard Rohr. He says that essentially the function of religion is to connect us with everything, God and each other. So I think that is really true, and the religious pursuit that we all have is trying to answer these key questions. Now that brings us to this. We began our time together with four components of religion. And I want to talk about them very briefly. And then I want to show you a video for number three, uh, the dangers of religion as well. So when we think about the components of religion, the first thing that we need to think about is all of these components are also bound up in historical, cultural, and ethnic. Uh, influences. Human beings are social and historical beings, and we are conditioned by the culture that we live in. How we answer the questions are conditioned by the fact that we have a Western mindset, that we live in a Western society. Eastern societies and Eastern mindsets will try to answer these questions differently. Religions are conglomerations of interrelated practices. Sometimes there are so many that it takes a lifetime to understand them and to perform them well. And each one of these practices has a meaning in and of itself, but it's usually interconnected with something else. Some of these practices are uh, one-time events, baptism weddings, things like that. Sometimes they're practiced over and over again. The Lord's Supper. Are you following what I'm saying? So sometimes these practices are found within the culture that we have where it is ingrained in us from the very beginning. So think about how different things are ingrained in us from the time that we are little kids, okay? So if I ask you right now, pray with me, I bet many of you, maybe not all of you, many of you will do this, right? You'll bow your head, you'll close your eyes, and you might even fold your hands. Well, it never says to do that 
in the Bible. If you think that's a biblical practice, no, that's not there. You know, people pray as they're on a journey. People pray with their hands raised up. People pray uh, in a variety of different ways. But it's been ingrained in us from the time we're small that the way you pray is like this, right? Okay, before we know it, Christmas will be upon us. Oh, don't say that, Larry, because I got to drag out all the decorations and set up the tree, right? So what is Christmas? Well, within Christianity, it is the celebration of the birth of Jesus. And theologically, it is the incarnation of God entering into the human experience so that we can see what God is like. But Christmas is more than that. Uh, Let me ask you a question. What are the things that you're going to do this coming Christmas season that just come natural? You don't think about it because it's ingrained within you. Okay? Tell me some of the things you're going to do this Christmas. What's that? Okay. Buying, giving, receiving gifts. What else do you do? Okay, that's right. What else? I'm sorry? Okay, baking. Baking cookies, right? Okay. Baking, buying gifts. How about setting up a Christmas tree? How about putting ornaments on? How about having family dinner? How about um, going to a Christmas concert? All of these things are ingrained within our subculture in the United States. Now, you don't have to believe in Jesus, and you'll still do these things. You might not believe that Jesus is the Messiah or the Son of God, or that Jesus coming into the world is an expression of God becoming a man, but you'll still put up a Christmas tree. You'll still exchange presents. You'll still get together with your family. In other words, there's more things that are accumulating into a religion from all kinds of different things that we value, right? We value these things. And then even even things that are kind of crazy. Oh, I wish it would snow this Christmas. I'm... I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, <laughs> you know, right? Okay, so it's, it's crazy how that type of thing works. Did you know everything that we celebrate in Christian uh, celebration of Christmas did not necessarily all come from Christian roots? That there are other influences of other religions that kind of condition some of the practices? And that's okay. But... That's how we are interconnected in the way we look at the parties. One of the things that I wrote down too, how about a Christmas bonus, right? (laughs) That's another thing that we all look forward to. So religious practices are always culturally prescribed. That's all I'm trying to say. Religion as a social device kind of enacts a communal memory and Uh, There's a huge difference between being spiritual and being religious. People uh, often claim, I'm spiritual but not religious. I hear that all the time working for the funeral home when I sit down with families and I say, what type of memorial do you want for your loved one? 
Well, he was spiritual, but he wasn't religious. In other words, he didn't go to church, right? But it doesn't mean he didn't believe in God and so on and so forth. Now, <clears throat> religion is always evolving as well. And it's usually involved in these four components. One, creedal statements and confessions of faith. So we just recited what? The Apostles' Creed. That goes all the way back to the first century, which is a summation of some of the things that are found in the life of Christ. But other religions have these creedal type of statements as well. In Islam, it is called the Shahada Creed. You've heard it before. I know you have. There is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. That's your creedal statement. In Judaism... There's a creedal statement that is called the great Shema. It goes like this in Hebrew. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. What does that mean? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Okay, there's one God. So these are the type of things that are often developed. But the practices of, of a religion are designed to bring about spiritual uh, and social development. And what we'll find is we use different things like sacred texts, different sacred symbols, ceremonies, and even calendars as well. So last week was the beginning of the Jewish New Year. Now, when they write down on their check, they're, they're using the standard calendar, right, that you use, uh, here it is, today is September the 24th, you put that on your check as you send off a gift to a loved one or something. But in the religious calendar, it starts all over for Jews this month with the Jewish New Year. You've heard of the Chinese New Year and different things like that. So there's different ceremonies that often go along with that. Uh, different symbols, whether it is the lighting of a menorah, uh, whether it is uh, a symbol that is used to describe something that is talking about the religion itself or the way that people look at the religion. So when we think about religion, we think about fidelity, that is faith, your faith in certain things, your formation. And then there are dangers. Every religion is dangerous. Every one of them, depending upon how far and how extreme they become. So fundamentalism, I would say, is a passion for God that's gone crazy, that's gone mad. Fundamentalism is a way of turning the name of God into an instrument of intimidation or even terror. When participants do certain things that make us feel uncomfortable, we kind of shy away from that religion. Here's where I'm going to show you a video. But when people use their religion to justify violence and murder of other people because they don't believe the same as the person that is the extremist, you know, jihadist terrorism, we talk a little bit about that type of thing. All religion has extremists. And fundamentalism, even within Christianity, 
is an attempt to shrink the love and presence of God down to a determinate set of beliefs and practices and insist that everybody else has to believe the exact same way. So I want to show you a video. Now, this video is going to show you a wide range of different things that people do in their religion. Some of them, you might go, I don't understand. Some of them, you'll go, ugh. Some of them, you'll go, oh, that's beautiful, all right? So just let the full range of your feelings be open to this couple-minute video. Let's watch. Oh, my God. 
Theology is anthropology. That's an interesting statement. It is telling us that everyone believes something. And depending upon what they believe, it can be the essence of a good religion or a bad religion. Now, the Bible does talk about good religion. And notice how it describes it. Two verses I want to show you. James 1.27 Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So James, the half-brother of Jesus, talks about religion as being other-centered, right? of looking out for those who need help and can't help themselves. Jesus was most critical, if you read the Gospels, not of tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. He's most critical of religious leaders who used their religion either to get rich or to take advantage of other people. And so Jesus had an influence on James, and he says religion that is pure and undefiled looks beyond just my own desires, my own wants, my own needs to help with the needs of others. 1 John 4, 8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. No matter which way you frame it, no matter if you have a creedal statement that's a mile long and you have it all memorized and you believe it, if you don't love other people, you don't really believe in God because God is love, John says. So the observance of religion tells us as much about ourselves as it does God. When people in religion go to extremes and when they take people and shame people, and guilt people, and manipulate people, when they use religion as a way of self-engrandizement, self-enrichment, all those type things, that's not from God. It's that simple. And within any religion, you have people that use religion as a fake facade because they have different motivations. The, ess the essence of religion that is good, is that which looks out for other people and loves God and loves other people because the two go together. Religions are rafts, human artifacts, historical constructions that are organized in their particulars by human communities to articulate the love of God. And so when religion is good, even though that group of people might not worship like you do, they might not worship in even the same religion as you do. If it is something that is creating within its adherence a love for people and a love for God, it is something that you should honor. Okay? Let me ask you a question. You weren't born in the United States. You were born in another part of the world. You grew up under a different religious influence than what you did here in the West. Do you think you would believe in that religion? Yes, you would. 
Because it's a part of your culture. It's a part of your conditioning. It's a part of your values. So when we get, as Christians, all hot and bothered about other world religions, and even if they look and sound and do things differently than we do, and we judge other religions, we're not, we're not looking very deep and we're not looking very wide. Because I will guarantee you that if you and I were born in Japan or China, if you and I were born in Iran or Iraq, it would be as natural for you to believe their dominant religion as it is for us to believe in Christianity. Now, this is not to minimize Jesus. I think Jesus is the best and purest and most wonderful expression of what God is like. But, other religions are in their pursuit of trying to understand God. And we need to be careful that we try to colonize other people to convert people to Christianity. When you watch that video, there were some things that you might not understand, but if you sat down with that person and had a cup of coffee and they explained it to you, why they believe what they do, they go, you might go, oh, now I get it, right? Now I understand a little bit better. It was just a foreign thing to me. I couldn't understand it, and therefore it freaks me out or whatever, right? But when you sit across the table from a Jewish person or an Islamic individual, Muslim, or if you sit across the table from someone who follows uh, Zen Buddhism, and they begin to explain to you why they do what they do, and at least within the provisions of their religion, they really are trying to get a better understanding of God. Because here's the deal. Most religions either give you freedom or they well up fear within you. And when it's fear that is welled up within those religious constructions, then it's going down the wrong path, right? Jesus said, perfect love casts out fear. When you find the freedom to, be, to, you, to love other people just as they are and find common ground in love, that's a religion that is worth observing and honoring and respecting. And that is a religion that you might get a bigger understanding as this complex topic opens up to you. So let's go back to this. God is more important than the religion, as the ocean is more important than the raft. Is religion important? I believe so. I've given my life to trying to use religion to help us all deepen our wisdom and deepen our love for God. However, religion is a means. It's a conduit. And if we don't keep that in mind, one of the things that will happen is the dangers of religion can become obnoxious, can't they? Right? Rather than respecting and loving other people as we should. So I want to close with two quotes. Both of them are from an author, Barbara Brown Taylor. She is a professor, and she has written a number of different books. But if you want to 
read an absolute wonderful book that helps you understand what she teaches. Let me back up. She teaches one of her courses is Religion 101. Okay? And what she did is she took her classes out to be exposed to a variety of different religion uh, in her community. And they would come back and they would talk about those things. And then she put it in a book form called Holy Envy. Holy Envy. And in that book, she describes all of the emotions and observations and feelings that not only she had, but her students had as well. And I think it is just a marvelous read uh, if you want to read it. Uh, any of you use uh, Hoopla app? Are you familiar with what that is? It's a library app that you can download books. Uh, there's a lot of audio books. This is a great book to listen to in audio form because it just flows, right? Holy Envy, Barbara Brown Taylor. Here's what she says. As a general rule, I would say that human beings never behave more badly toward one another than when they believe they are protecting God. When fear is the primary motivation that manipulates other people and religion is the tool that uses it is to do that, then what happens is people get misguided into thinking, well, this is what I'm doing to protect God. God doesn't need your protection. God's God, right? Okay, leave that there. But this is the one that I'd like for you to stand up and, and we'll close with. Stand with me. A second quote by Barbara Brown Taylor. She says, the only clear line I draw these days is this. When my religion tries to come between me and my neighbor, I will choose my neighbor. Jesus never commanded me to love my religion. A man comes to Jesus and said, what must I do? What must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus said, love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's an ongoing, evolving process. Love God with your heart, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. On the all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Love God and love your neighbor. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, for our time together today. And a difficult, broad, wide-ranging topic. One that could be subdivided into uh, learning about the particulars of each of these world religions that we have mentioned today. But it is our desire, Father just to get to the heart of how people pursue you and how they find you. The Apostle Paul reminds us that out of everything that exists, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Help us to find you in the center places of love toward other people. And may that help us grow in our love toward you. For I pray this in Jesus' name, and we ask for your guidance upon the week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.